Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church. You are either listening to the podcast version or you can also watch it live streaming on YouTube or recorded VOD of it. This is a new series and we are going to be going through the book of Colossians. I hope you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, the book of Colossians. We have been in Colossians and we're in part 10 and this one is relationships and I kind of have like a subtitle in that repair relationships for future relationships and we're going to kind of be digging into that and uh, just to kind of summarize some of the things that we've gone through so far we have learned about um, to know truth is to know Jesus to know Jesus is to know God and to know God is to love him that you might live, which was something in the Old Testament that God said, that the circumcision of the heart. And that our character is more important than our performance. Everybody sees the performance, but our character and our heart is way more important than that. And it's not found in the doing stuff. It's found in that relationship with God. And when you put on that character, you work it out. So the character, you walk that out. You put off the old and you put on the new. And so in John 13, and 34 through 35, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this time. Father, I pray that we may glorify you, that we may honor you. And I pray, Father, that you be with those that cannot make it with us today, Father, and that you may bless and keep and keep them safe and bring them back here safely, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Paul has built, this is the Colossians part 10, in relationships and Claude and Paul has built how relationships how relationships work in Colossians in the book of Colossians oftentimes however we jump to the relationships without actually even considering the content of like two and a half chapters prior to this okay where we went through remember we learned that performance uh, if you have high performance and low trust or, or low character it becomes toxic that type of that type of performance i can do things and whatever but the character the heart of it is just toxic to you and toxic to the people around you and um we learn that so in taking that all into account of character i started out with jesus command about love because you know, sometimes, and I would have to say a lot of the time, the hardest thing to do is that command to love. And loving your friends, actually as, as we're going through here, loving your friends, yeah, okay. Loving your enemies, yeah, okay. Well, God did die on the, or Jesus did die on the cross for, them too so okay it's the third one that we have the sometimes have the most difficult one it's like well well hold on Greg hold 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 on all right so we have 
love your friends. You know, you have love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have love your neighbor as yourself. There is no... What third one are you talking about? Well, I would have to say that it comes in to love your neighbor as yourself, but the closest neighbor you have is the one you were married to. That's about the... uh, You can't get much closer of a neighbor than the one you're with. That's all I'm saying. And that can be really, really, really tough. So ask yourself. We've been talking about performance and trust. Is the decision to marry trust-based or performance-based? Now, your knee-jerk reaction is obviously going to be trust-based, right? I mean, because you want the character, right? Let's look at reality. Let's go through this. Someone who I like the look of, that's normally kind of rather important, I'm thinking. Guess what? That's performance-based. Let's look at the next. Someone that I get along with. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to grant that this one is a mix. It can be a little bit of your character and it can be a little bit of performance. So I'm going to grant you that one. How did the date go? Guess what? That's performance-based. Right? Next one. What did they do after the date? Once again, performance. How are they treating me these past few fill-in-whatever-time, you know? It's our one day of dating anniversary. I've actually heard that, by, by the way, just saying. We've been dating for a whole two days. <laughs> okay, any rate. Performance-based. To further confirm this, what does your friend say and ask you? about this particular relationship or this particular person. Now, now you might think it's what they're asking you and what they're saying to you uh, is, is the sign of performance-based, and that is incorrect. It's how you answer them that will determine whether or not it is a trust-based or performance-based. Because If you are willing to consider that this relationship is probably not the one that you need to be in, if you are willing to consider it, then at least you're doing, you're looking more deeper. But if you are finding yourself excusing it, if you are finding yourself coming up with excuses for it, then I want you to pay attention to this, then you have wrapped your trust, your character, around their performance. I want you to follow along with that. If you are excusing the relationship that you are with and you're having to come up with reasons to stay in the relationship, then you have wrapped your trust, your character, around their performance. And that's where the danger lies. Now, I'm not saying that that person can't be the one. All I'm saying is you need to unwrap first and you need to see and look at the relationship as it is. 
So the more we go down the list, the more we see this, you'll find that relationships are based primarily more on performance. And it turns out that relationships suffer from the same issues that businesses do in when you have a lot of performance and you have the low character. And you say, Greg, how do you know this? All I have to do is look at the studies of how much divorce rate there is going on. And it tells me that more people look at performance than they do with character. And the metrics that we use to determine character normally don't come into play until things have broken up. Now, if a couple at the very start of things say, you know what, there's some things that we need to work on. Um, maybe we should go see someone to kind of talk us through some of the characteristics or whatever. That would be a really awesome thing. You want to know how many times in 11 years I have ever been asked in a relationship that says, you know what, we have some kind of, we have some, some minor things that we would look out. You want to know how many times in 11 years I have ever been asked prior to that. None, none in 11 years have I ever been asked to counsel a relationship like that. When have I been asked to counsel relationships? When it's blowing up and they look at me and they say, Greg, fix it. I'm like, both of you have done a really awesome job at dismantling this relationship. I can't, right? So the matrix that we use, guess what they, guess what I will do as a counselor, guess what they will do? We will start looking at the attitudes of love toward one another when this couple comes in, and we will look at the characteristics of a loving relationship. Now, this is not a full list. This is just the bare bones basic minimum. This is what I look at. I look for caring about the other person in the relationship. I look at for willingness to modify a, your behavior for the other person. It's not about whether or not you are okay with what you're doing. Is your one that you're with okay with what you're doing? And then I look for consideration. Is there a consideration on that side? Now, some may respond like, Greg, this is simple stuff. I already know this stuff. You're going through the basic stuff. Okay, that's fine. But do you know who reflexively knows about relationships? I mean, just in a very generic, broad form, who in the relationship generally knows about the relationship? The woman, exactly. Generally, not all the time. I have ran into those times when it has been, has it, it's been flipped. But there's normally one person in the relationship that knows reflexively about that relationship. So in counseling, we look at that person to judge the temperature of their relationship to see where things are going. So Paul is going to talk about relationships in an era, by the way, that women don't, are not even looked at as smart enough to even figure stuff out. In an era when you really wouldn't even talk to them, and you definitely wouldn't talk to them first. And so, 
in developing this whole entire relationship, first off, once again, don't forget the fact that he has already developed a characteristic of being empowered by God, a relationship that's built in God, and then putting off the old and putting on the new. And then he says this in Colossians 3, 18, he says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It's like, whoa, 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 great. Submit? Would it shock you to understand that that actually, that we need to kind of review a little bit? For one thing, he treats wives and addresses them as among, not less than. And he does say, submit humble, meaning to reflexively obey. That is exactly what that means. So how does that change a relationship? What is he trying to say? If a wife chooses to submit, means Paul is recognizing no matter what society says, no matter what people think about them, that they have a right to choose, that this is a choice. This is a choice. Wives are choosing too. This is not an obligatory. This is a choice. And it becomes very important because here's the thing. Husbands need to understand that this being a choice, in verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Okay. What does that do? Okay, so... Love, be content with, to be fond of. Basically, here's the thing. We pretty much know that most of the times in general, I granted, not all the time, but most of the time in general, the woman is the one that actually knows exactly how the relationship is supposed to go. But yet, but yet, Paul is saying that the man establishes the love relationship. that the communication that has to happen in order for this to happen. So even though she knows, but yet you establish it. And that the characteristic, and I think it's the very next slide, the characteristic of a loving relationship, caring about the other person, willingness to modify behavior for the other person, and consideration is all a part something that we as the husbands actually are learning how to actually do, guess who we're going to learn it from? The wife. The two shall become one. In Genesis, the Hebrew word that talks about when God created one comparable to them means somebody who is the exact opposite of that person so that when they come together, they come together as one. We learn in the relationship what that is. So yes, we're establishing it, but we need to learn what that means and they know it and so this relationship of caring and whatever is that when the wife is choosing to submit, it's the reason why he didn't he didn't have to tell the wives, you know, love their husbands because they they understand relationships. They already got that. It's us as guys, we need to learn what that is. And so making that choice the women become examples showing us and showing in the relationship 
And so in submitting to one another, learning how to submit to one another, learning about the characteristic of a loving relationship, working together, we need to know what she knows so men do not be bitter to your wives. Now the form of that Greek word is actually two forms. It has two meanings within that word. The very, very first word is to be bitter towards, meaning don't hold things against them. And the second one, to make bitter, meaning don't be inconsiderate and do not be rude. Why bitter? What absolutely stops in a bitter relationship? I'm going to tell you what absolutely stops in a bitter relationship. For one, learning. can't learn from a bitter relationship. Two, consideration goes away. Three, the willingness to, to modify your behavior goes away. And caring goes away in a bitter relationship. You don't have caring there. A bitter relationship leads to a lot of wrong decisions because there, there is something that's very important that we also need to think of. Because the very next one in verse 20, it says this, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Who's teaching this? The parents. Children need to learn consideration. Children need to learn caring. Children need to learn what it means to modify a person's behavior for the other person. They need to learn that. So who's this? Mom showing humbleness, dad showing love, dad not allowing bitterness. We as dads especially need to learn this as well. Because in verse 21, it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And what happens as a dad, and what happens as a dad, you think and you get lost in the, the, the instruction and that, and you can go overboard in your instruction. You can go overboard in your discipline. You can go overboard, and then that brings about discouragement, and it can happen. Now, that doesn't mean that, that verse 20 doesn't exist, because verse 20 is still there. Children must obey their parents. But we as dads have a responsibility, and I'm going to tell you that I've already had to do my apologies. I've already had to do my apologies to my older ones, because I will admit to you that this is where I got it wrong. That as dads, we, it's so very important to actually understand that you know, you're trying to teach, you're trying to teach, but don't get lost in the teaching. Don't go overboard, because you can cause that. And this is not about you know, disciplining or not disciplining. It is, it is very much about showing that, that um, love in the discipline. So, and, and I've had that. There was something that I wish I would have known, and maybe you can help other people who need to know that. So if you're not married at this point in time, are you going to be? This is something that I wish I would have known. If in the situation that you are teaching and you're instructing young ones, add 20 to 30 years to their age and add 20 to 30 years to your age and realize that at one point in time you're going to be sitting down and discussing and if this situation comes up how do you want it to be remembered 
man, I really wish I would have known that. I really wish somebody would have taken me aside and actually instructed me in that because I would have made a lot of different decisions. People say they don't live with regrets. Well, I will have to say that there are several regrets that I've had to apologize for in as a dad. And if I could go back in time, I would, but I can't. So I'm just saying that if you know of somebody who could use that, tell them. It was something that I definitely wish I would have known, and I'm glad I know it now. But that was something. I was just, that, that was a, a lot of wisdom. And the gentleman that actually said the wisdom, I, I'm like, I, I don't know where you got that wisdom from, but I am so grateful for it. And that little, that little tidbit, add 20 to 30 years to your age and add 20, 30 years to their age, and imagine you're sitting around and you're talking. How do you want the situation to be remembered? huge. So, in summary, the love that I show my wife should reflect the love that God shows me. The humbleness in our relationship should reflect the humbleness that I, that going before God. The child should reflect good character by choosing to obey the parents. It is a choice. The dad should think about the point trying to get across. Don't go overboard. The children cannot learn love, forgiveness, consideration from a bitter, unloving, broken relationship. Only by learning to love one another can we show love to others. Love God with all your heart and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this establishes a future generation of love, consideration, and forgiveness. Repair relationships for future relationships. Learning how to actually do that. And Paul built that in. But remember, in the book of Colossians, being empowered by God. Greg, I can't be, I, I can't be the dad that I want to be. I can't be the wife that I want to be. I can't be that or whatever. Well, empowered by God, filled with his wisdom and understanding, with the character of saying, I'm willing to put off that which I need to put off, and I'm willing to put on the grace and the mercy that God is giving me. When I enter into the relationship, this is why it's so very important that when you are looking for a relationship with either a future wife or a future husband, when you're looking for that, finding a person that has that kind of, that their focus is on God, that their focus is learning about God and who he is. Because if they're focusing on God and they're focusing on who he is and you're focusing on God and focusing on who he is, that's how this works. I don't have an answer for a relationship that doesn't put God first. I don't have that answer. Do they? Are there some of them that work? Yes, there are some of them that work. Yes, but there are a lot more that don't. There are a lot more of them that don't. So both in your relationship right now, but also teaching young ones what it means to have a relationship with God. Because empowered by God, 
focusing on God, being filled with the knowledge of God's desire. What is God's desire for the relationship? What is God's desire for, for your friendships? What is God's desire for what you do? Have you asked yourself that question? It's like, oh, you know, all these things are going on. Okay, okay, I got that. What is God's desire? What is God's desire for you in your relationships? What is God's desire for you in your friendships? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for this day. I pray, Father, that we may focus on you, that we may glorify you, Father, and that we may, just as Paul was praying about this place, Father, this new church, I pray, Father, that we may be filled with the knowledge of your desire, with all wisdom and all understanding, that we may walk worthy of the path, that we may be established and that we may be, be steadfast in you, rooted in your word. And I pray, Father, that we may glorify you in our relationships, in our friendships, in our families. I thank you, Father, for everything you do and who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast or watching this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to listen or watch past broadcasts, you can go to agjordanmt.com. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day.